okay? Oh, man, I'm telling you. That was, on the way back, we had a little, we, we, I, that's about the only time we wasted, um, 20-something hours of driving. I want to talk to you just now. Hopefully, you have your journals, okay? <clears throat> uh, I told Linda last night, I said, I think I got more notes than we got time. Um, I want to talk to you about trials and tests and temptations. You can call it the three T's if you want to. Trials and tests. Life uh, uh, just brings trials. Living in this world brings trials. In this world, you shall suffer what? Tribulation. I mean, they're just stuff's going to come from this world. Test. Tests come from God. God tests his people. Now, if you've never been, now, how many knows now, uh, Abraham was tested. All of God's, he tests all of his people. Why? To test your obedience level. The test is to reveal to us our maturity level. And so there is trials, there is tests, and there is temptations. The number 40 in the scriptures is the number for testing. Now, we should all be, now, this is the end of the school year, and our children are in, how many have been tested this you know, your final exams, right? Some of you are graduating, final exams, go, moving to the next level. So that's what test reveals if you're ready to go to the next level. And uh, there's prof proficiency testing. Is that to test the teacher or the kids? Both, right? So the tests in the, in the schools, there is tests that, that uh, revealed if the teacher's doing their job. Uh, or if the kids are learning at a proper uh, learning curve level. So we are acquainted in all of, our, all of our life, we're acquainted with test. Now, 40 is the number for testing. Moses was in the desert being tested for 40 years. If you study his life, his life was broke up into three segments of 40 years. 40 years he was in the school of Pharaoh. The second 40 years of his life, he was in the wilderness being tested uh, by God and being taught and trained in the desert. And the third 40 years of his life, he was leading the, the children of Israel into the promised land. And so, so his life was broken up into 40-year segments. The children of Israel was in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. And in those 40-year period, God tested them and tried them. Jesus was tempted in the desert for 40 days. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, there was reasons why he was tested. The first Adam was tested and failed. The second Adam, Jesus, was tested and he was successful, right? Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 18 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. We are not exempt from being tempted, we are not exempt from being tested, and we are not exempt from trials. Now, I realize that, that, and, and that some preachers on TV would, would uh, I don't know if they ever have a trial or not. They, it doesn't sound like they do, but that gives a false impression that when you get saved, that everything is just going to fly really nice for you. I got some news. Now, I got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is you're going to face some tests. You're going to face some trials, and you are definitely going to face some temptations. But the good news is God can help you through it. 
Amen? In fact, we are told to do some testing on our own. Let me write, give me, let me give you these and you can write them down. We are told, first of all, to examine ourselves or test yourself. Uh, now, that's sometimes difficult because uh, sometimes we don't have the correct picture of ourselves. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, the people, the reason Paul w- was anointed to write this, they were examining his credentials about, why, you know, I, we don't really know if you should be the prophet or not. And they was testing him, and Paul begins to write, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what you need to do is really examine yourself. Uh, I, I find a lot of people spend a lot of time examining other people, but, <laughs> but fail to turn the, the examination on themselves. Uh, you know, and it's all, you know, it's easy to see somebody else's flaws, but it's not so easy to see our own. And, uh, but how many knows that everybody has them? Everybody has them. Examine yourselves, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Oh boy, there you go. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? That's a good question. Do you have the right foundation? Are you built on the right foundation? Have you, uh, is Jesus in your life? Verse 18 says, for in that, now, uh, do, now, do you have the right foundation? So examine yourself. Notice 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. We are told to prove, that word prove means to test everything. And in this portion of Scripture, it's talking about prophecies, okay? And he said, hold fast what is good. When someone gives a prophecy in today's time and place, remember that the prophecy involved in the prophecy will be flesh, will be personality, and then there'll be a word or a pure word from God. And your responsibility is not to take the whole thing as a whole because it's like water going through a rusty pipe. The water starts pure at the head of the source, but when it flows through the rusty pipe of the flesh, it picks up the impurities of the flesh. And attitudes sometimes come out, uh, you know, uh, emotions sometimes come out. And then in the process of, of the word coming forth, it picks up all the impurities. And your job is to separate it all out and, 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 find, and hold fast to what is good and, and, and just do away with the rest of it. Now, if you, do not under, if you don't understand what I'm saying there, come after church, okay? Test everything. Verse 22 says this, to stay away from every form of evil. Now, how, do you, how are you going to know if something is evil if you don't test it? It means you have to make a decision based on a test. If it's evil, then you, you, you toss it up in the light of God's Word and you make a decision. Stay away from every form of evil. And then thirdly, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1 says, we are warned not to believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. I've, I've told you all the time, uh, I don't care who's in the pulpit, me or anybody else, don't believe everything you hear. Check it out. Okay, why should I say that? Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits whether they are of God. You see, sometimes I get angry and I see things, and I, I've been honest, I don't know, and I've told you, I don't know if I'm angry or anointed. And uh, how many of those preachers get angry and they say things in the pulpit that they, you go home? Now, you may not know that, but, but preachers go home and think, ah, why did I say that? 
I'm hoping that, you know, you know, you're just hoping that it don't damage people. But you are supposed to be adult enough uh, to receive what is of God, even from preachers. We are warned to test every spirit, whether they are of God or not. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Be gracious but cautious. Now, uh, prophets of today have a real thin skin because they don't like to be questioned. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, we didn't have so, too much of a problem of false prophets, but we do today. And if they, and if they come across with a false prophecy, they just say, well, I missed it. Well, that doesn't clear them with God. In the Old Testament, we did away with them. There wasn't very many false prophets in the Old Testament. You know why? We killed them. But this is the day of grace. So we kind of let the false prophet slide with his false prophecies, and we don't call them on it. Now, so we be gracious, but at the same time be cautious. Is this okay? You, we are supposed to test things. Now, so remember this. Our spiritual life course, your spiritual life course, the course God has you on, the course God has me on will involve testing. It will involve, it will involve trials, and it will involve temptations. Now, get this, and I want you to write this down. Temptations are a common human experience. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear. Three things I want you to learn from that scripture. Number one, learn this. Temptation, there is no temptation that means of others. You're not going through anything today that means of other people have not gone through. Don't let the enemy tell you or isolate you or tell you that, that you're going through something that nobody else has ever gone through. You're just going through a temptation that is a common human experience. It's not just your problem. Millions of other people have the same problems. No believer can claim that they were overwhelmed by a special temptation or that the devil made them do it. That if, see, you want, your mind might want to conjure that up. But that's not true. You're just going through a temptation that is common to our human experience. And after you get through it, you'll find out if you talk to your neighbor, they're going through the same thing. There'll be a revelation to you. So, secondly, not only are temptations common, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. There is no temptation. You need to write this down. There is no temptation stronger than the spiritual resources available to us in God. Let me run that by you again. There is no God. Why? Because God is faithful. There are spiritual resources available to every one of us. The problem is we don't use them. There is no temptation stronger than the spiritual resources available to us in God. Then, Pastor, why do Christians fail? They choose to. Why do Christians, they want to sin. Let's, can we talk? Temptations are common. You're not going through anything somebody else hasn't gone through. Somebody else uses the resources God gave them. You didn't. Why? Because you wanted to do it. The devil can't make you sin. God can't make you sin. Nobody can make you sin. We choose to sin. We choose to disobey. It's a choice that we make. And when we make those choices, then we have to suffer the what? The consequences. It's, it's you reap what you sow. 
So the process is that the, the temptations are common, but God's resources are available for us to overcome no matter what comes our way. The thirdly, the temptation in itself is neither good nor evil. Someone says, well, that's an evil temptation. No, the temptation itself is neither good nor evil. The only thing a temptation or a test or a trial presents us with is a choice. Do I need to say that again? The temptation, the trial, or what you're going through is neither evil nor in itself. All it does is present us with a choice of what we are going to do. Whether the temptation results in good or evil, whether the temptation results in spiritual growth or spiritual decline depends entirely upon our response to the issue. Sometimes we say, well, that was an evil thing. No, you chose the evil part. The temptation just presents us with a choice. Now, the reason, one of the reasons I minister in this is because a few months ago, I was, I was allowing myself to become burdened by some issues and that was taking place over the last few months, the tests and the trials. And a lot of those things were involved decisions that other decisions other people had made. And I realized that I was carrying people. And uh, I, I was seeing what their decisions were doing with their life. And uh, not necessarily uh, what I was going through, but I was just carrying people. And so when Brother Manning was preaching here several months ago, uh, God reminded me of, of a phrase that one of my mentors had, you know, it was a, a, one of those lines that they always use. Every tub has to set on its own bottom. Now, I know that doesn't sound spiritual. But to, the, but to me in that point in time, I was carrying people that had made decisions that were not the wisest decisions to make. And I was carrying that, and it was robbing me. And what the Lord was telling me I'm not responsible for the choices people make. I'm responsible to teach you the truth. Every tub has to set on its own bottom. Every person has to live with the choices that they make. I will, and I made a decision. I'm going to love people. I'm going to encourage people. And I'm going to support people. But I'm not going to allow their decisions to rob me of my peace and my joy in my Christian experience. And, I, and I'm telling you, God, you see, I was making a wrong choice. I was letting the test of the trial in itself was not the issue. It was the choices I was making that was causing the issue in my life. So at that point in time, I let it go. And now I tell myself every once in a while, every tub's got to set on its own bottom. You're going to live with the choices you make. I'll support you. I'll encourage you. And I'll pray for you. And I'll love you. But I'm not going to let the choices other people make rob me of my victory or my joy or my peace. We can either turn to God and trust Him and keep doing what is right. Or we can become angry and bitter and resentful and rebellious and disobedient. But the choice is ours to make. Let me give you a warning about trials and tests and temptations. Privilege doesn't guarantee that we will make the right decision. Let me run that by you again. Privilege, how many knows that you're privileged? How many knows that you're blessed? 
How many knows that you, you have favor with God? That doesn't guarantee you're going to make the right choice. Let me give you some scripture for it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. The Hebrews had a favored position in God. They were blessed. Were they not blessed? Dear God. Notice what was happening. They had supernatural guidance. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers, how many? All were under the cloud. They had supernatural guidance. All they had to do was follow the cloud. A supernatural manifestation, physical, see it with your eyes, manifestation of God. Is that a blessing? You think, how can anybody that's following a cloud make a bad choice? But all of them followed the cloud. Now notice, that, was that, is that a favor? Supernatural deliverance. All passed through the sea. That's supernatural deliverance. Dear Jesus, we're just, we're just kind of praying that we get delivered once in a lifetime, correct? I mean, these, these people lived in a supernatural deliverance. They went from deliverance, deliverance, from deliverance. They had supernatural guidance, supernatural deliverance. They were all baptized unto Moses, supernatural leadership. How many knows that you have been baptized into Christ? You have a faith. See, what I'm telling to tell us here and instruct us this morning, that privilege does not guarantee that you and I will make the right decisions when we're faced with the tests and the trials and the temptations. So if you, you have to be careful. Supernatural leadership, supernatural food, all ate the same spiritual food. Manna outside the, their tent. They tripped over it every morning. Later on in the New Testament, it talks about Jesus said, except you eat my flesh. That manna was a type of Christ. You have the Word of God in your lap. But just because you have supernatural food does not mean we make the right choices all the time. So they had supernatural guidance. They had supernatural deliverance. They had supernatural leadership. They had supernatural food, and they had supernatural drink. All drank from that spiritual rock that followed them. You have the Holy Spirit living in your life. He is inside of you. The third person of the Godhead dwells in you. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will what? Quicken your mortal bodies. That's what the book says. So they were in a, they were in a favored position. They were in a blessed position. They were in a privileged position. And so are you and I. They keep, now, he gives us these instructions for two reasons. And you need to understand this. Number one, that we will not get puffed up in pride thinking we are above test. Because these folks were tested. Don't get puffed up in pride thinking that we're not going to go through, have to go through some tests or some trials. That I should be exempt. Now I realize that there's preachers all over the tube today telling you that it's all good. Well, it's going to wind up good. But right now, you might be facing some stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'd like to hear them tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> of course, they might not be on TV either. Don't get puffed up in pride thinking that we are above tests. Secondly, we are to encourage those who are wrestling with trials and tests and temptations right now. Some of you are in the midst of the battle right now. 
Now listen, just because you're a Christian, just because you're privileged, just because you're blessed, because you have God's favor, doesn't mean if, if you're struggling, there's something wrong with you if you're, if you're struggling with something this morning. It's common. It's common. It's something that we're going to go through. So don't get puffed up and bright thinking I should be exempt from this. And secondly, you need to be encouraged to know that you're normal. That you're not weird. That those people that preaching on TV are telling you it's all good, they might not just be giving you the whole message that morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says it this way. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though something strange is happening to you. It's just your turn. <laughs> Isn't that good? It's just my turn. I don't like it. Well, it's just your turn. If not now, sometime, it's going to be your turn. But don't think it's, why, why, why me? Why now? Well, why not you? <laughs> now, here we go. Our tests and our trials and our temptations will come through three sources. And I put these two together to make one out of them, the world and life itself. The world and life itself is going to be an avenue that, that stuff is going to come your way. The demands of life is going to bring some stuff your way. The responsibilities of life, the, the relationships in life. Ah, oh, some of you guys' families are a wreck. Hello? Some of mine are wrecked. I, I asked Linda once, well, them your relatives? She asked me, them yours? Families are weird sometimes. You go, where do they get that? Okay, I mean, it just relationships uh, <laughs> brings problems, tragedy, the phone call, life itself, I'm trying to make a living, pay your bills. It's tests, it's trials. So the world and life itself is going to bring some stuff your way. You and I are in a struggle against a system that is trying to form us into its order of values. The, the, the world is not satisfied with leaving you alone. And when we talk about the world, the cosmos, I'm talking about a system or an order of thought. Uh, God made this world. Now, there's nothing wrong with this world, but there's something wrong with the system that goes on that make this world go around. It is a selfish system. It is a self-centered system. The world's value system is always trying to force you into its mold. <laughs> the pressure to be politically correct. Oh, yeah. You can't think that way. It doesn't make any difference that it's scriptural because it doesn't fit the world's philosophy of how you're supposed to think because you're not supposed to be offensive. How many knows that the Word of God is offensive? The pressure to be tolerant of sin and disobedience. All these are the pressures of the world trying to fit us into its mold. Why is it doing that? Because you are the light of the world and it's trying to quench your light. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. The world is trying to fashion you into its value system. And you would be amazed at how the world's value system has affected the church. You say, well, I, I, I don't agree with that. 
the church only about 20 years behind the world's values. The world's values today that we look as weird and, and abnormal. If the Lord tarries 20 years from now, if we don't stand true to the Word of God, we're going we're gonna to be thinking the same thoughts and believing the same things that they're preaching to us through the news media in 20 years uh, that they are receiving. Why, why do I say that? 50% of Christian marriages fail. Why does that happen? 50% of the world's marriages fail. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that was not a norm. Can we talk? Now, now if you've been divorced, I'm not, I'm not, hey, I'm telling you, you got your reasons or whatever. I'm just saying that the world system tries to form us into its value system to accept its value system. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Why? Because you go against the flow, and the world is going to give some stuff your way. Secondly, it's going to come through our flesh and our sinful nature. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish or that you ought to do. Why doesn't God just destroy the devil and put an end to temptations? Why does he allow that? Why don't he just kill that guy? Because the devil is not the total source of your problems. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to respond in just a moment. You'll know the place. Okay? They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. The biggest fool to ever hit the big time. And all I got to do is what? Act naturally. Your nature wants to sin. Your fleshly nature is prone to sin. Even if the devil was gone and you was in the perfect environment, your nature would want to sin because that's what your lower nature does. So temptations and tests and trials is not necessarily from the devil. We'll talk about him in just a moment. But the real issue is us. <laughs> Yielding is a choice. In a Christian publication called Discipleship Journal, there was listed nine areas that pose the greatest spiritual challenge to believers. Now, I'm going to go through these real quickly. You can put them down if you want to. But these are nine things or areas that pose the greatest challenge to believers. Now, this is not a poll of unbelievers, this is a poll of believers. And these are the things that gives them the greatest challenge. Number one with materialism. Number one with materialism. Getting so caught up in the world system of materialism at the expense of their relationship with God. The love of money is the root of a lot of evil. And I realize that God wants us to, now, to balance it out. You know, you know from me, from preaching, I'm not against having stuff as long as stuff don't have you. Money and possessions are a tool. Everything I have belongs to God. And if he wants to take it tomorrow, it's his. That's just the way we live. If he wants to take it tomorrow, if I lose it tomorrow, I've still got God. And I'll start over. Amen? That's the way you have to look at the things that God has blessed you with. Otherwise, they'll become, now, they'll become so possessive and you'll become so attached to them, it will affect the way you live. And the second one was pride. 
Second one was pride. Does Christians have a pride problem? <laughs> Does a bear have a fuzzy tail? You might not think they do, but you make a decision that they don't like. <clears throat> Let me talk. Thirdly was self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Selfishness. We live in a selfish world. God's a giver. God's a giver. You, have, you and I have to be a giver. It's not just about us. It's not just about you. It's about God's will. Amen? Fourth was laziness, wanting more for less. Does that sound like the news today or what? Anger, bitterness. Do Christians have a problem with anger and bitterness? Ask some of these preachers here that's been around for 50 years if Christians have a problem with anger and bitterness. Sexual lust. Oh, surely believers don't have a problem with lust. Envy. Number seven, envy. Eight is gluttony. Number nine is something you wouldn't even think would be on the list. Lying. <laughs> Anybody ever lied since you've been a believer besides me? Two of us. <laughs> Some people lie to cover their rear. I got to look good, so if a little lie will get me out of it, I'll lie. You show me you're laughing, you don't. We call them little white lies, don't we? Harmless lies. Boy, they come out just as. You get caught in a mistake or you didn't follow through with something and, and somebody asks you about it in order to cover your tracks. Just don't tell the whole truth. The survey noted that the temptations were more potent or stronger, number, number one, when they neglected their time with God. When they had neglected their time with God. I want to tell you, you've got to spend time with God. If, you're going to be spirit, if your inner man is going to be strong, you've got to spend time with God. And secondly, when they were physically tired. Rest is spiritual. Vacations are spiritual. Can everybody say amen to that? Some of you, be, half this crowd be gone next weekend. Get in a rush for summer, won't you? Hmm. Resisting in temptation, and here's what they put. Resisting temptation was accomplished by prayer. If, now, I thought it goes right along with the wilderness, 40 days in the wilderness. Prayer, fasting, Bible study. Remember what Jesus used against the devil and all of his temptations? It is what? Written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So they had prayer. They had Bible study. And then it gives some practical stuff. Two things. Avoiding compromising situations. Avoiding, you know, you can do your prayer and you can do your Bible study. But if you are constantly putting yourself in a compromising situation, it's not a matter of if you will get in trouble. It's a matter of when you get in trouble. Because you're in a place where you don't need to be, and you keep going back thinking, I'm strong enough to handle it. Oh, yeah. So was Samson. 
avoiding that. Fourthly, being accountable to someone. Being accountable to someone. Steffi, I want you to come, and I want to give the third source of the temptation. The third source is the devil. He is the designer of this world system. He arranges circumstances to make it easy to sin. <laughs> he can make evil look good and good look evil. And he does it all with deceptions and lies. And all the while he is plotting our destruction. Forty is the number of trials and tests, temptations. Forty-two is the second coming, is the number of the second coming of Jesus. And 41 is the number of deceit and deception. Jesus said, before I return, he said, take heed that no man, what? Deceive you. There is deceit. What is deceit designed to do? Cause you to fail. And before the return of Jesus, there's going to be a, a, a rash of deceit and deception fill our world. And behind it all is a personality we call the devil who are plotting our destruction. Peter writes it this way and warns us, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober. Doesn't mean don't drink. It, says be, it means be of a sound mind. Get a grip on the truth. Be vigilant. Watch. Be on guard. Are you going through a test? Are you wrestling with temptations? Are you going through a trial? Be on guard. Look, look at what's really behind it. Get a survivor mentality. If you're going to survive this thing, you're going to have to get mentally and spiritually tough about it. I told myself when I went into the jungle of Southeast Asia for 11 months of searching and destroy missions, I told myself when I was going into that jungle, if only one person comes out of this jungle, it's going to be me. You have to get a survivor mentality. Whatever I have to do to survive, it's what I'm going to do. And thirdly, know your adversary. Know your opponent. He who contends with you. Paul said, I fight not as one beating the air. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness, rulers of darkness, high places. And I have a question. Is this how we live? Do we live this way? As a believer, are we alert? Are we on guard? Or do we have a grip on the truth? In closing, what do you do if you fail the test? What do you do if you fail in the trial? What do you do if you fail in the temptation. I want you to answer me this one question. Do you want to die in the wilderness? Because that's going to determine what you're going to do. Yes, we all have failed. And some of us will fail again. What are you, what are you going to do? The question is, do you want to die here? Listen, we're not home yet. I've got my eye on heaven, but between here and heaven, there's a wilderness. 
And I'm, I'm, I'll do some failures along the way, but I'm not going to die in this wilderness. I'm going to get back up, brush myself off, and the promise of God's forgiveness, and I'm going to keep on going. Determining that I'm going to try to do my best to keep on doing the right thing, the honest thing, the loving thing, until I get to where I'm going. We're on a journey. We are not home yet. Don't relax. Don't get so comfortable in this world that you forget you are not of this world. We're just passing through. Amen. Do you want to die in the wilderness? Then get up. Get up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I I pray for all these folks today. Some of them are in the heat of the battle even now, and I, and I know some of them. And perhaps there's others that have not approached me and have not talked to me that they're in the midst of the test and the trials and, and the fighting, and they're struggling with making the right decisions. You are talking to them today. Maybe in this place there's some that has failed the test, and they are discouraged today. And they need you to come alongside them and speak into their heart again and refresh them today and let them know it's okay. You can restore. You can restore. Though a just man fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Get back up. Don't die here. Continue the journey. You're going through some real testing real trial and you're in the midst of it and and you just need help this morning. Will you stand right where you're at? Will you do that? We're going to pray. I'm going through, Pastor, we've just been going through some real, real issues and tests and we're just going to stand this morning. I want you to, I want you to say a prayer. People are starting to stand all across the building. Going through a test. Going through some real tests haven't made the right choices all the time. And I realize that. I need need to be encouraged this morning. Just going through a real test. All across this building, friends and neighbors of yours are standing. Is there others? We'll wait for you. We're going to pray in just a moment for God to come by and just breathe afresh on you. Let you know that it's okay. He understands. See, he was tempted. He's a faithful high priest. He knows exactly what you're going through. Is there others? We'll wait for you. We're going to get people over to pray with you today. Will you look around now? There's people continuing to stand, those of you that need prayer. Look around, those uh, that are around, close to someone standing. I want you to go lay hands on them. I want you to encourage them today. All across, over here. In the back with Cedric and all of them back here. Need a bunch of you folks to go back here. I want you to help me. I know it's Sunday. Don't nobody leave, okay? This is an important part of the service. Don't leave. I want you to help me back here in the back. This is what you're here for. You know what they're going through. You've been where they're at. Who else better to support them and encourage them than someone who's been through it themselves? Don't want any of them standing by themselves. I want you to pray for them today. I want you to pray for them today. Let them know it's all right. Go ahead now. 